And I was up there with a packed room of potential new members. It's a beautiful room. I mean, every time we see teenagers in there, 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, it's a beautiful kaleidoscope up there this morning. I was overjoyed. Also had a young man come up to me in the first hour. And um, other than the fact that he had an Auburn shirt on, he's a good dude. But he came up to me and he said, uh, you know, I'm back. We had invited him from a restaurant a few weeks ago, and he's been visiting, he and his girlfriend. And so he was back, and that touched my heart. We've got family in town today. Cindy's mom is here. My mom is here. Cindy's sis is in the house. Man, we've had a house full. We celebrated Sophia's uh, first birthday. I can't believe that. Second granddaughter, one years old, and she was uh, celebrating yesterday, eating a lot of cake, and there were other people's kids running around the house. Oh, Lord Jesus. And so um, it was... Uh, you know, I love my grandchildren. I just, I don't really like anybody else's. I mean, I'm sorry. I'm just going to confess. It's good for the soul. I'm getting it out. I'm getting it out. Sorry to you that we're at the house. We love you and you're welcome, but leave your kids at home. Okay. So uh, today is a one-off. It's a different kind of day. In fact, it's been decades, I'm told, since this has been done this way at Grace. And some of you are going to immediately going to go, oh no, this is not for me. I don't need to be a part of this. This is a special day. I promise, if you'll listen, you'll be encouraged. This is a special day. It's not just special for the people packed in over here. Some of y'all are looking over here going, Baptists never sit on the front row. What are they doing? They were forced. And so they're over here because uh, we're going to do a special ordination service, but I'm going to include everybody. So the, the title today is Saved to Serve. If you have a Bible, turn it to 1 Timothy 3. 1 Timothy 3, if you don't have a Bible, don't sweat it. Everything will be on the screens. This is a very special day. If you're saved, if you know Jesus as Lord and Savior, why are you still here? Paul said, for me to live is Christ, but to die is gain. It's better to go with the Lord. No sickness, no sin, no suffering, none of this. So if I'm saved, why am I here? You are here to bring glory to God. And like an old pastor told me, the greatest way to bring glory to God is to bring people to God. And you bring people to God by serving. You bring people to God by serving. One of my favorite things to watch in the life of our church is feeding the 5,000. Have y'all enjoyed feeding the 5,000 the last few years? God just opened a door for us to go to a brand new place this year in the heart of need. We were going to work with Fulton again, but another opportunity presented itself with better space. They even have a big swimming pool. Y'all, we can baptize a lot of people at one time. It's going to be awesome. It took a long time to baptize 39 or 40 people last year, but we're going to have a, a pool. It's just going to be incredible. Indoors, by the way, it'd be too cold in November, but we're going to have a great opportunity. And what I love, not only distribution, not only the gospel, not only seeing people get saved, I love seeing you guys, children, teenagers, hundreds of teenagers, it's incredible, um, adults, People as old as Frank. I mean, it's incredible watching God work. And then this huge line. How many of you have been a part of a packing party before? Packing party participants. Isn't that a beautiful thing, y'all? It's incredible to witness it. It's such a picture of the church serving. Everybody that's saved is called to serve. But some are set apart to serve specifically. There are two offices named in the church that serve the church. Pastors and deacons. And I have a lot of friends around the country that have told me things like, I wouldn't mind the ministry so much if it wasn't for my deacons. I really struggle with my deacons. 
In fact, in North Carolina, we have that school at Wake Forest. They, they say in their church they have demon deacons, but it doesn't mean the Wake Forest demon deacons. And I, with all honesty, for 25 years have never had to say that. I've never had to say that, and this year's no exception. We have good and God-called men, godly men and women. And I say men and women because when a deacon is called, his wife is called right along with him to serve with him. So there's this calling that comes from the Lord, and it's an incredible thing what God's done. And maybe you've heard horror stories. Maybe you've been a part of a horror story with deacons or pastors. But I'm here to tell you guys, we have a good group, 42 active deacons. Now, we have hundreds of deacons, but we have 42 active active men this year called to serve you. If you're an active member of this church, like these probably 60 people are deciding this morning, if you are an active member, you should get a letter, if you haven't already, in the next week or two telling you who your deacon is. I kept Brother Rodney. Rodney Jones is my deacon. He is our family's deacon, and Rodney's there for me if I need him. Obviously, your pastors are here. I'm here. But because of the sheer number of people, we have deacons here to serve you. So in the first hour, we ordained Daryl Andrist, Johnny Coffey, and Nate Paul, along with their wives, Vicki, Ann, and Jamie, who were with them, but we ordained those men. In this hour, we have down front here Kevin Coomer and his wife, Faith, John Lott and his wife, Shelley, and Tracy Steiner and his wife, Shannon. And these men are about to be set apart for ministry, and I know what some of you are thinking. Well, this is not for me. Not a deacon, don't want to be a deacon, never going to be a deacon. No, listen to me. If you're a child of God, this is for you. If you're not a child of God, you need to surrender today so that you can be a part of serving others for the glory of God. Among this group, the six that I mentioned, we have grace group leaders, an upper school Bible teacher, pastors, prayer partners, trustees, volunteers for summer food for kids, volunteers at GCA, Grace Go missions partners and participants, Grace Kids ministry volunteers, and the list goes on. These families are serving. But I want to ask some questions. So if you got your notes, I'm going to get that in just a second. What is a deacon? Well, the word is actually transliterated, not translated. It's like baptism. The word is not actually translated. It's transliterated. It's baptizo in Greek, to dip, submerge, or plunge beneath. But the word deacon, diakonos, diakonos, literally means to stir up dust in a hurry. It means those who went about their task with such excellence and expediency that they raised the dust. But when you put dia and conus together, it actually means one who waits tables, or very simply, a servant. One who serves. So the word deacon essentially means servant. So if you're taking notes, that should be blank one, or, or number one. The word deacon essentially means servant. Now, I read an incredible question and reply years ago, and I've kind of tweaked it. And so I kind of made it my own. But I want to ask you a question. How can you tell if you have the attitude of a servant? How can you tell here this morning if you have the attitude of a servant? And there's a very simple answer. By the way you act when you're treated like one. When you're treated like a servant, because sometimes we think, oh, I can't do that. Don't they know who I am? But when you are treated like a servant, how do you respond to that? Do you see it as an opportunity? What I love watching you guys, I loved this at Boombash, even though we had the storm of 23 to hit us. I love this at Feeding the 5,000. I've seen this at Extravaganza. 
I see it when the church does mission. I see it in small teams. I saw it when we were in Brazil. I'm sure I'll see it next month in India. I love seeing our people love other people well. If there's a need, this person needs a, a water, they need a chair, they need this. You know when you do that. When you give a cup of cold water, when you do the least little thing, the Lord in heaven marks that down. It does not go unnoticed in the halls of heaven. And it is a joy and privilege. And you're not doing it just to be seen. You're doing it because you love God. And when you love God, you're called to love other people. And you know, when James and John, two of the disciples, were talking about being great, Jesus said this in Mark 10, whoever desires to become great among you shall be your servant. How did Jesus show that at the Last Supper? What did he do to start the supper that night, y'all? What did he do? He got down and he washed their feet. Now, if you don't think that was a menial task, the master washing the feet of the followers? And then he said, now I want you to do likewise. I want you to demonstrate the same type of humility that I've just demonstrated. He says, the one who's going to be great will be a servant, and whoever desires to be first will be slave of all. For the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve. And to what? Give his life a ransom for many. Jesus came to give himself away. And if you're saved today, you're still here because he wants you to give yourself away. He wants you to give it up for other people. And so when we see diakonos, diakoneo, man, that word shows up over a hundred times in the New Testament. And the funny thing when it says Jesus came to serve, it uses a form of the word deacon. You may say Jesus was the first and greatest deacon, not in the context of a local church because the church wasn't born yet. It was born in Acts 2 at Pentecost. But Jesus is the quintessential perfect example of a servant. When he was exhausted, when he had had enough of the throngs pressing in on him, he gave them more, more of himself. And so this morning, I'm going to give a charge in this hour to Kevin and to John and to Tracy and to their wives. And when I give a charge, what I'm saying is that is a task or responsibility given with authority. Now, not my authority, the authority of the Word of God. And so this morning, I'm going to ask you to stand with me. We're going to honor the reading of God's Word. We'll only stand once, although I have two texts. And we're going to go through 1 Timothy 3, 8 to 13. And these are the qualifications of deacons. Now, what Paul had just told Timothy was these are the standards for pastors. Likewise, excuse me, likewise there are some standards for deacons. And so that's what we pick up here. And you say, well, I'm not a deacon. This won't apply to me. Christian, these same concepts absolutely do apply to you. It's just that these guys are being set apart. So let's listen through these words very carefully. And I'm going to unpack every phrase. Likewise, deacons must be reverent, not double-tongued, not given to much wine, not greedy for money. And then what is the good? Holding the mystery of the faith with a pure conscience. But let these also first be tested and let them serve as deacons, being found blameless. Ooh, that's a little troubling. We'll come back to it. Likewise, their wives must be reverent, not slanderers, temperate, faithful in all things. And let deacons be the husbands of one wife, ruling their children and own house as well. For those who have served well as deacons obtain for themselves a good standing and great boldness in the faith. 
which is in Christ Jesus. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this holy time. Not only is this a holy time, this is a holy opportunity to set apart these who have been called out. They were nominated by this congregation. They were called out by the people in front of me. They've been thoroughly vetted, prayed through, talked through, and Lord, we believe that these men are set apart for service in this way, to serve our people at the point of need. Thank you for the ministries of grace. Thank you for the people up in that room who are deciding if this is their church home or not. I'm asking you, Lord, to give them clarity as they decide and let them do what you lead them to do. No more, but certainly no less. Speak to us all in these moments, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, guys, here's what I'm going to do is you're seated. I'm literally going to take this and unpack it word or phrase at a time very, very rapidly. Okay? Very rapidly. The first word in chapter, uh, chapter 3, verse 8 is they must be reverent. The word is simnos. It means serious and stately of good character and honorable. Not a stick in the mud. Not somebody who's so serious that he thinks he's all that in a bag of chips. No, 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 no. It just means they have a reverence for the things of God. They are not double-tongued. This is a great Greek word. Di, logos. Di means two. Lagos is word or speech. So don't speak out of both sides of your mouth. And y'all know what I'm talking about. Don't be double-tongued. Don't speak with gossip or speak in hypocrisy. But you do what you do to walk in truth. Don't misuse the office. Protect the mission and the ministries of the church. But don't do it by speaking this way and that. And then not given to much wine. Prosecco means addicted to or having one's mind torn to, turned to. A deacon is not to be preoccupied with drink and it is not to influence his life negatively. It's all about testimony, folks. It's like this. I heard about two deacons. They were down at the local bar enjoying a couple of beers, hopefully not Bud Light, but they were down there and they saw their pastor drive by and he slowed down and he took a good long look at their pickup trucks parked in the parking lot and one deacon kind of slumped down with his beer and he said, man, I sure hope pastor didn't recognize our pickups. And the other deacon said, well, what difference does it make, man? God already knows we're here. He's the only one that counts. And the first deacon said, yeah, but... uh, I don't think God will tell my wife. So you see, it's not good. It's not good to worry about your testimony. And here's the reality. Now, follow me in this and see if I'm not telling you the truth. I'd love to be able to say never take a drink, but here's what I can tell you. Strong drink is strictly prohibited in the Bible. Drunkenness is strictly prohibited in the Bible. If you choose to drink in moderation, that's between you and the Lord. But our deacons choose not to drink. Our pastors choose it because if you pull up and see me with a drink, you may have no personal issue with it. But you don't know if it's the first one or the tenth one. You don't know how many I've had. And so my witness to you is now affected And the witness of these men may be affected. And so when it says not given to much wine, it means don't be preoccupied there. It's not good for you. Keep your eyes where they belong. Keep your focus where it belongs. So that's what it means. It means, and then the next phrase is not greedy for money. In other words, deacons never use their office for personal gain. Gentlemen, we, we have a strict policy. We keep our hands out of the cookie jar. Now, one of our deacons happens to be on our staff, and he works in finance, so that's part of his job. But deacons are privy to no more information than you are when it comes to finances. I don't know what you give. 
I don't want to know. Unless you tell me personally, hey, I've done this, or unless you've offered a special gift, I don't know what anybody does. I know what me and my wife do. I know what Miss Cindy and I give to this church. That's between you and the Lord. And our deacons don't have that either. And so you need to be able to do what you do with confidence. And, and you should never be ashamed as long as you're doing what God calls you to do. And God calls us to be faithful. If we're members, God calls us to this. But we're not going to be greedy for money. That's not what we do. The spirit, those are some personal qualities. Look at these spiritual qualities. It says in 9, he holds the mystery of the faith with a pure conscience. All that means is these guys don't just say they believe the truth, they live it. They have a pure conscience. In other words, they don't have to hide anything. They don't have to slump down under the table. And it also means they shouldn't be new or recent converts because the Bible says they will first be tested. Dokimadzo, it's like we would get the word doxology, sort of, but it has to do with the idea of a proof after a test. It's ongoing. And I told these guys in the room the other night we were talking and their wives, look, you're going to be in a glass house. People are going to be watching you. You're going to come on stage. You're going to be highly visible. That's a good thing. Don't worry about it. That means when you're out there, you need to be paying attention because you represent the Lord, his church, the deacon ministry, your family. So that's okay. They're going to be tested. And then this is the word that kills me a little bit if I don't understand it right. Guys, this word is blameless. Aneglatos does not mean you never mess up because every one of your family members would look at me and say, he's disqualified. I know that. I know that. I know that. What it means is without neglect. It means that I'm doing what I can do so that I'm not giving the enemy any flaming arrows to hurl at me. See, some of y'all are hurting yourself with self-inflicted wounds. You're doing things that are goofy and you know it. And then you get caught doing it, and you're like, oh, woe is me. You did it to yourself, dude. How about aneglatos? How about living your life without neglect? I'm going to do the things that are good and right, and I'm going to avoid the things that are bad. And you know what? That's just good, simple, walking with Jesus kind of stuff. Not rocket science here. Look at the qualities of the deacon's wife. The Bible says, first, she's reverent. Same word as the man, semnos. She is careful in character. She is serious about her faith. But she's also not, this is a, a word, ladies. I'm sorry, but I didn't write it. It says, you must be reverent, not a slanderer. The word there is diabolos. I don't know if you've heard that word before. But it basically means you're not a devil. That's what God said, not me. Diabolos is the word used for the devil in, Act, um, uh, in John 8, 44. It means an accuser. A false talker. Remember, he's a liar and the father of lies. And it says, ladies, don't be a false talker. Don't be a gossip. Watch your tongue. Hold it. I know it's a small uh, muscle, but it's very hard to hold. Don't be a diabolos. Be temperate. Nephalios means to have sober, sound judgment and be faithful in all things. So if these gentlemen share a confidence with you, you keep it. It's like we talked about. It's like we talked about. If the pastors, every morning we pray for y'all. Every morning we're in the same room together praying for y'all. Praying for the school, praying for kids and teachers and administrators, praying for the staff. But we pray for y'all. And sometimes, of course, we know things in confidence. We know struggles and concerns. Now, typically we don't get into that in our deacon area. But the Bible is very clear that the man and his wife must hold things in confidence. The last thing I would ever want to do is hurt someone or expose a challenge. Because let's be honest now. Let's be real right here. Every one of y'all in every section of this worship center and every one of you watching has your own stuff 
that you don't want the world to know. The challenges that you take to the Lord. And sometimes you share with your pastors or maybe your deacon, as you should, but you do that with confidentiality. And so we hold that very, very seriously. Finally, for these men, there are some domestic qualities. The Bible says he's to be the husband of one wife. Literally in the Greek, if I turn that from the original, it means a one-woman man. It means he is faithful to her in his mind, in his actual being. He does not have straying eyes nor hands. He's a one-woman man. These men have one wife. Guys, I suggest you keep her. She has trained you up to this point. She's done well. Keep her. Keep your mind your eyes and your hands to yourself. Wasn't that a song? Don't give me no lines. Lies. Lines, lies. And keep your hands to yourself. See, I knew you heathens would know it. And keep your hands to yourself. You're the good manager of the home. You're a spiritual leader. The Bible says that you rule well. That means you spiritually lead well. The concept is you don't shy away from the responsibility of spiritual headship. You manage money, possessions, relationship with wife and children well. Kevin and Faith, John and Shelley, Tracy and Shannon, you have demonstrated the personal, spiritual, and domestic responsibilities and qualities that we are looking for to fulfill this office in our church. Position is not to be taken lightly, and gentlemen, that goes for all of you ordained men. Whether you were ordained five years ago or 55 years ago, you still have the privilege and responsibility to live up to the standards that God's word articulates. But church, we also have responsibilities. So as I will charge them in a moment, so too I will charge you. If you have a Bible, take it and just flip back to Acts 6 real quick. Acts 6, because you might say, why did God choose? I kind of understand the pastor thing, leading in the word, ministering to people. I get that, pastors and teachers, I understand. But why did God ordain the office of deacon? Where did it come from and why did God do it? Well, we see that unfold in front of us in Acts 6. And the cool thing about what you're about to read in Acts 6 is that it sounds like grace 2023. We just had a record-breaking year in the life of our church in every way. New members and baptisms and finances and movement and growth and, and the school the same way, the largest she has ever been at GCA. But that is creating challenges. That creates things that are tough. I mean, I just said 60 people, but do you know the number of volunteers it takes to work out there? A lot of people that would love to be in here are there serving and working. Not to mention the 400 plus volunteers that work on this campus every Sunday morning. It's an incredible thing that God is doing. But look what's happening. It says in chapter 6 of Acts. Now in those days when the number of disciples was multiplying. We're not just adding, we're multiplying. There arose a complaint against the Hebrews or the Jews by the Hellenists. Hellenists were Greek speaking Jews. Okay, So you had you had those who spoke some Hebrew and Aramaic. You had those who spoke Greek. And they began to fight because the Greek-speaking Jews believed their widows were neglected with the help, the distributions of food and clothing and help that the church was doing. So the 12, that means the apostles, summoned the multitude. That means like you, the church. They summoned the disciples together and they said, look, it is not desirable that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. I don't mind serving your table. I'll be the first to tell you, if I could be at every bedside, I promise you I would. 
If I could be at every funeral, I promise you I would. If I could be at every birth, I would be there, but I physically cannot, or I would never spend time alone with God and his word and prepare this for you. So my primary calling is a minister of the word and prayer, but I promise you, every pastor gets a day of rotation, every deacon has many families. We will love you well if you'll tell us what's going on. We will walk with you in the valley, we will celebrate with you on the mountain if you'll tell us, because that's why God ordained this position. He says, therefore, brethren, seek out from among you seven men of good reputation, full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. In other words, over these needs. And that's what we're doing here today. And the saying pleased the multitude. They begin to choose men. The very first one named is Stephen. He's the very first recorded martyr in the history of the church. The very first martyr of the church is a deacon. It's fascinating to me. And they set them before the apostles, and when they had prayed, they laid hands on them. We're going to do that today. And look what happens, verse 7. The word of God spread. The number of disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem. This is my favorite line. And a great many of the priests, in other words, the leaders that had been Jewish priests that came out of that into Christianity, even a great many of the priests were obedient to the faith. In other words... This system works. It works because people need to know the church is not about just sitting and soaking and listening to a talking head. It's a family that is here to help and love and walk with you and minister to you and celebrate with you and do life together. And yet what happens is people fall through the cracks if we're not intentional to reach out to them. That's why we have Deacon Family Ministries now. See, the church is growing and things are happening. And I want to stop. I even wrote in my notes, stop here. Thank God and the people for what's going on through the Grace family. In 25 years of doing this, I've never seen a season like this. I've never seen room. Now, I've enjoyed large new members classes. I've never seen it like 60, 60, 60. I've never seen that every four or five weeks. Start doing the math on that. It is unbelievable. Two families. Two families in the last six weeks, two, have come from other states, and this is what they've told me. We started watching you online, we found the grace services, and we started watching your church. And God led us to move to Knoxville, Tennessee, to be a part of Grace Baptist Church. <gasps> I went, what? That sounded cuckoo to Cocoa Puffs for me, but I'm going to take it, because it wasn't a job. It wasn't Knoxville's just the greatest, although it's a cool area. Although if you're out there and you're crazy, it's full. I'm sorry, we're full. <laughs> but you got to see who's moving in, right? But these are good and godly people, and some of them are up in that room right now. Here's the crazy thing, though. They said, we're moving here because of what God is doing there. I was like, I'm blown away by that. I've never seen that before. I've seen people move because of jobs or kids or grandkids. I get that. But to move because God is moving in a church and the word is getting out and far more people out there are tuned in than we sit, that we see it in here. And it's incredible to me when you really stop and think about what the Lord is doing. And, you know, the only way for that to multiply is to get more help. The only way for it to multiply when the, when the plan of God is followed, you called out from among yourselves these men. You did that. We didn't do that. They were nominated by you. They were vetted by us carefully, very, very carefully. The list starts very large, by the way, and it gets very small very quickly. 
because of the intense vetting processes that we do. But here's the deal. When God's plan is followed, the word spreads, the church grows. So deacons are men under the, under the guidance of the Holy Spirit who serve with pastors and staff to share concern and responsibility for the total needs of the congregation. They have a keen interest in and focus on the mission and mandate of the church and the accomplishment of God's will, both for themselves, but even more for the entire body. So I want you to write this down. If you're a note taker, look at this paragraph. It's very important. If you want to be a part of a church family that takes the gospel seriously, the good news of Jesus, welcome to grace. If you want to be a part of a church that doesn't take ourselves too seriously, welcome to grace. We don't need sticks in the mud. We don't need the people, people that think they're all that in a bag of chips. We need people that are sold out to the Lord. And then if you want to be a part of a church full of loving servants, I think you found the right place. This is as good as they come. If you want a place with perfect people, perfect pastors, perfect deacons, you are in the wrong place, bub. This ain't it because we are not a perfect bunch. We have our warts and flaws and all of that mess. And the reality is there aren't any of those perfect places. So if that's what you're looking for, you'll be so sorely disappointed. But if you're looking for a place of people that love God and love you and want to serve, then come on and be a part. If you just want to clock in and clock out on Sundays and disappear, this is probably not it. But Jesus himself died in our place to pay the price for our sins. He rose the third day that we could enjoy eternal and abundant life. And now he says to us, be a living sacrifice. Give your life away to the glory of God and the good of others. I'm not going to save anybody, but I can sure lead them to the one who can. So I'm going to look to Jesus and listen to him and learn from him. Live like him. Love like he loved. Serve like he served. Following the footsteps of the greatest servant that has ever and will ever live live we have the privilege of doing that together and if you're saved this morning you're saved to serve not all of us this is your last blank not all are called to the specific office of deacon but all Christians are called to serve the Lord and others through a local church in fact you cannot truly be a part of the family of God and not want to be around the family of God the Bible is very clear that you cannot truly be born again if you don't have a desire to be around those who are part of the family. That is simple biblical truth. These men, their wives, have been called by you. Now they will be set apart for this ministry. Gentlemen and ladies, would you join me on the platform, please, if you'll come right here. I am humbled and amazed at just the, the quality of brothers that we have from all types of walks of life, from all backgrounds. And I want to give them a charge, and then church, I want you to listen carefully because then it's your turn, and I'm going to have you stand with them in a moment. Kevin and Faith, John and Shelley, Tracy and Shannon. As you stand before God in this church, having been elected to the office of deacon, you are men that God has chosen to serve our church as spiritual leaders. You are to be examples both to those who know Christ and those who need Christ. This office is not about position or power, but servant leadership. The church has seen your dedication, and I believe you will labor as faithful servants. 
This church has seen your desire to help others, and you do have a good testimony among us. Your actions as deacons reflect upon Christ in this body, and you will represent this church. So when you live a God-honoring life in community and beyond, this church and her Savior will be looked upon favorably. The office of deacon carries great responsibilities, but the privileges and blessings far outweigh the burdens. Paul tells Timothy, For those who have served well as deacons obtain for themselves good standing and great boldness in the faith, which is in Christ Jesus. Therefore, for all of you, I ask you to answer according to the following charge. Do you promise before God and this church of our Lord Jesus Christ that you will uphold the truths and doctrines of God's word, be a living example of Jesus Christ in this church and community by the grace of God, be regular in attendance, wholehearted in giving, confidential in all matters, and passionate in seeking to glorify Christ in word and deed, Do you promise to minister to others with a servant's heart, assist the pastors and staff in the implementing and carrying out of the ministries of Grace Baptist Church, and earnestly seek God's guidance and his will for this church? If you will commit to these things, please answer me by saying, we will. Church, would you stand? Kevin, John, and Tracy, having been set apart by God to fulfill a vital ministry in my church, need your support. They need your affirmation. We are in this together. They need your love and they need your prayers. So, my family of faith, both members and regular attenders, do you promise before God and before these new deacons that you will pray for them and their families Will you encourage them as they do the same for you? If you will do this, church, please answer me by saying, we will. Thank you very much. As these go down, and you're just going to spread right here across the front with your spouse, Pastor Frank is going to come up. Pastor Frank serves not only in our legacy ministry and with benevolence and prayer, Uh, He serves as our deacon pastoral liaison, meaning he kind of goes between me and these guys and helps make sure everything is moving as it should, and he's doing a great job with these men. As I said, you should receive your letters soon if you haven't already. Now, if you're not a member yet, of course, you can't get a letter because this is for the membership of the church. It's one of the reasons membership has its privileges. We want to take good care of everybody, but at some point with size, you have to have structure. And the structure here is our membership. And so we're even setting up photo booths out there. If you've never had your picture taken, we have photo booths for a professional photographer to take your picture today. If you are a member, but we don't have your photo because it'll make them be better deacons. It'll help us be better pastors. But why do we do laying on of hands? As I explain this, I want to invite all ordained men, pastors or deacons ordained in this church or a church of like faith and order, meaning Baptistic doesn't have to be Baptist, but Baptistic, so similar core beliefs. If you're an ordained man, I'm going to ask you to come and begin gathering around them right now. Just spread out around these three couples. In Acts 6, 6, the Bible says they prayed and they laid hands on them. And the picture here is that of strength and faith for the deacon and for us. The laying on of hands is a symbolic gesture bestowing the church's blessings on those set apart for his service. And the significance of the act shows that these men are set apart for this specific office in our church. This acknowledges also that they are qualified for this task. Now, this is not weird voodoo magic stuff. This is not some kind of do-do-do-do conference of power. That is not what laying on of hands is about. It is purely symbolic. 
that says we recognize God's call on them. We acknowledge that call. We celebrate that call, realizing that we are all called to minister and serve. All of us have a responsibility, but these are set apart for such a time as this. Pastor Frank, if you would lead us in this prayer of ordination in church, if you'll bow together with us at this time. Let's pray together. Lord, thank you for this day and for this time of worship and praise. You're worthy of our worship. We're so grateful that we have the opportunity to come and do this together. We thank you for the calling that you've placed on all of us through your wonderful son, Christ Jesus, who shed his blood that we might be reconciled to you, Lord. It's a calling that we all rejoice in and embrace. And as we meet together and worship together, Lord, we want to acknowledge the calling unto salvation. Thank you for us as a congregation who have been called to be a part of this local body of believers to um, minister to the town of Carnes, the area of Carnes, the city of Knoxville and the world. Lord, as you give us the opportunity to share in that global outreach mission endeavor, Lord, may we be faithful to do it well. And then, Lord, we thank you for these men who have been called to serve as deacons in this local body. We just pray your blessing on each of their lives, the lives of their families. We pray that you would use us all together for your glory to accomplish what you have laid out before us. And we commit to this, Lord, as church members, as pastors, as deacons, that we would be faithful to fulfill your calling upon each of our lives. Thank you, thank you again for this wonderful time of blessing. And we pray all these things in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Ordained men, as you're taking your seat, deacons and wives, stay put. And Miss Cindy, join me on the platform. Church, I'm going to ask you just to remain standing because we're right here toward the time of response for you. And others of you, family and friends, I want you to come and pray over them as well. I want you to come. If you know them, I want you to come and, and encourage them, okay? We were blessed to have several of these with us in Israel. And uh, we saw there their servants' hearts. We saw there how they love to serve others. And Miss Cindy's going to help me. We're going to give them um, three things, okay? And I'm just going to show you one so that we don't have to repeat. We're going to give them a certificate. And then Miss Cindy has written in a book for the ladies. I have written in a book for the men. And each certificate will look like this. It says uh, their name, certificate of ordination, having been chosen one of good report, full of the spirit and wisdom, and capable of using the office well, was set apart publicly to the office and work of deacon by Grace Baptist Church, Knoxville, Tennessee, on the 10th day of September, 2023. And we will give them this. And as I said, Miss Cindy has written a note for you ladies in the cover of this book about being a deacon's wife and encouraging them. I have a book for you gentlemen that has proven very helpful in my life and ministry. And I've written these guys a note that talks about God's promises for every need. And if you have a concern, a challenge, a hardship, call them. And guys, don't be afraid to keep this close and look it up and say, okay, what do I look for for that? Because this is a phenomenal resource that just points you back to this. It just helps you figure out. I know that God said, trust in the Lord with all thy heart and lean not on, on, on understanding. Where is it? Proverbs 3, 5 and 6. There it is. So uh, this is going to be a great resource for them, and it's going to help them minister more effectively to you. And so for um, Kevin, we have your um, items there. And I just want our church family to know that um, these guys, look, they're not set apart because they're perfect or better. They're set apart because you chose them. 
They're set apart, John and Shelley, Tracy and Shannon. They're set apart because we are growing and have need. And we are blessed to have them. And I just want you as a church family, if you would, just simply to show your appreciation for these men and these women right here today. Would you just do that with me right quick? It's not quite over, guys. Stay right where you are. I'm going to pull you over here because, number one, I look better when you're near me. Number two, most people look at you and look at me and go, how did he get hurt? I'm a stud. I know it. I can't help it. But look, here's the thing. Here's, here's the truth. This lady has served Jesus much longer than I've known her. She was serving and leading in a Bible study in college when we met. And let's just say I wasn't. I was on the fraternity row doing my thing, and she was over in the Bible study group doing hers. And God has used her to inspire me. You not only hear her voice and see her sing, but she does so many things behind the scenes to serve. And I know that these men are better because of their wives, and that's why wives are with them. And I know you, maybe you've never seen that done that way in an ordination service. I've done it that way over 20 years because I believe it. On the bottom of your notes, okay, I don't have mine filled out because, well, I already had them. So on the bottom of your notes is a little QR code. Pastor Frank, you know how to use it yet? No clue. Okay, that's all right. It's a good thing you work here. So that little QR code will take you to a spot on the app or the webpage that allows you to sign up to serve. Surely, surely some of you are here. And there's a one on the slide too, I think, yeah. There, there's some of you here that are part of this church family, but you're really not yet. You're not engaged. Now I know some of y'all can sing and fill up this loft the rest of the way, right? Some of y'all can play instruments. Some of you can be safety security. Some of you can keep kids. Some of you can do any number of things. You say, well, y'all don't have what I want to do, then tell us. I asked Miss Cindy if we could do Grace Underwater Basket Weaving, and she said no. But we can do Grace Riders. We can ride to Harley. I got a Harley mama. She was riding with me the other day. I love it. You wouldn't believe how good she looks in leather. But anyway, um, so um, what was I talking about? Okay, okay, no. No, she said no. So we, we can have the ministries that you want to have, but some of you may be called to start it. You may be God's instrument to reach people. Whatever that looks like, please consider clicking that. Please consider, if you want to come up and talk with us, pastors and counselors, Miss Cindy and I, right, right over here, and then family and friends, we'd ask you to come. Pray over these couples, the whole rest of the altar. If you want to come and commit something to the Lord, if you want to give your life to Christ today, if you know, if you know that you need to be saved today, Jesus paid the price. Next week when I'm back in Hebrews 9, I cannot wait. It is a... Phenomenal chapter. I'm excited about preaching. I've almost finished writing it. I promise you it's going to touch you. It's going to be vibrant. I hope you'll come, but don't wait to give your life to Jesus. I'm going to pray, and then we're going to open the altar. Jeff's just going to play quietly over here because I want these guys to be able to hear friends and family. But if you need to commit to serve, you can scan that. You can call us. You can email us. You can come in with an appointment, and you can say, look, I really want to do this. This is what God's calling me to do, and let's see if we can make it work. Heavenly Father, we love you and we thank you. We thank you for saving us. We thank you for giving us the privilege to serve. This church would not be great if all we did was come and sing and read the word and then go. It would be okay, and it would be helpful to a degree, but it's not who we are.
Not only do we give away millions of dollars a year in mission and ministry, but we give away many, many people every year. Many people go from here and make the difference. People matter. And as we go to serve our neighbors and the nations, I pray that we would understand if we're saved, we're called to serve. Not only will we pray over these at the conclusion today, Lord, but I pray that many would come and commit themselves to a new area of ministry and service. And if we don't have it, maybe you're calling them to start it. We have the resources to do nearly anything you want us to do. You've provided it. God, help us walk in it. Thank you for this very special and holy day. Thank you for these men and their wives. And thank you for all of this family of faith. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Hey, the altars are open. If your friends or family, come and pray. Thank you. Thank you so much for watching us today. God is doing absolutely amazing things in and through our Grace Baptist Church family. If you'd like to share anything the Lord is doing in your life, feel free to reach out to us through our website or our app. And if you're ever in the Knoxville area, come by and worship with us and our family of faith here at Grace Baptist Church.